inching closer to that big showdown Wednesday night, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Colorado Avalanche. Finally, we had two hot teams playing at the same time, playing well at the same time. Nathan McKinnon back too. Ooh, that changes the look. It does just a bit. Just a bit. Yeah. No, I'm excited. That's going to be great. Peter Mrazek, full participant in practice today. I must excite you, Sammy. The depth, or is the depth fine with the China wool? 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 <laughs> By the way, we know, and we're just never going to never gonna get it right. So, no, I think it's good Mrazek's back, so he can start getting healthy again so they can trade him, like do, you said. Do we, um, <laughs> do we feel like he's going to get a stint with the Marlies before possibly seeing some action? Keith alluded that, to that today in his, in his uh, practice availability, saying that, yeah. So, yeah, send uh, Mrazic down to the Marlies. Old Wool probably gets a, a Sunday night showing on the back-to-back against the Winnipeg Jets. And then I would say you have Mrazic as a full-time goaltender once again. Oh, we'll see what full-time means exactly, but full-time in theory. I'm just picturing a, a tweet now from the Saturday night Marlies game. Mrazic Mar- leaves due to uh, uh, precautionary reasons. Yeah. All right, well, listen... Uh... We got a great show today. I got uh, my good buddy, John Garrett. Yeah, we got tons of stuff. Great guests. Color analyst for the Vancouver Canucks. He's going to come off. Uh, he's going to come on in uh, probably about 15 minutes and maybe follow up on uh, a huge story the last, what, 24, 48 hours revolving around, of course, the biggest rat in the NHL. Can we still target Brad Marchand as the biggest rat or no? Did he lose that title? I feel like you're not allowed to be mean to anyone publicly anymore. <laughs> 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 Certainly off the air, everyone says that. Um, Sammy. Uh, Sammy, are, are you good with calling Brad Marchand a rat? I despise that dude. I think he's a little too good for that now. He is so good. Oh my God. Not just a little. He's really good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you were saying, like, if he were a Leaf, he'd be one of your oh, faves. Yeah. But... There's just no doubt that if he was a Toronto Maple Leaf for as long as he was a Boston Bruin, he would be my favorite player in his, the history of hockey. Yeah. Well, his toe pull around the Canucks defenseman there, Kyle Burrows, running out at him in a tie game, you know, he assists on the winner. My God, is he talented. What a move. So you're telling me now the slew foot that he's been suspended for three games is not pulling him back into... Ratness. Oh, he's a rat. But he's a giant rat. He's, I'm sure there's another type of... Uh... But he's too good to do this stuff now. Like, why are you doing that? You're yeah. one of the best players in the league. Why are you still doing that? I mean, he had some moments, even that game against the Leafs, where the he's still doing of his it. soul. It's, it's hard to, to explain, but part of the what he has with that little screw loose is part of the reason why he's so good everywhere else. Does that make any sense to you at all? It does. Definitely. You know, Ken Reed made some jokes on Sports and Central, but he's actually on to something. So over the course of Marshawn's career, he's almost at a million bucks in gain in suspension, or sorry, in salary loss because of yeah. suspensions. But do you think he has earned that money back, the extra room it creates for him? You know, like the, everyone, you don't want to deal with Brad Marshawn. Yeah. Like it makes him effective. His contract's probably not as bi- as good as it is unless he plays like that. So maybe it's been worth it. It is. It's it's an investment in yourself. It but, is. but do guys <laughs> do, do guys go away from him? Guys. Do guys go but away from him? Not go away from him, but the way he plays increases his value. You I know feel, the, the way yeah. that he's on that edge. You're like you want that. That's why you're paying him. Well, I kind of feel like that underpaid. with Brady Kachuk right now is that he's laying the groundwork for later in his career where no one's going to want to go. Kachuk, <laughs> exactly. Hey. Where anyone's going to want to go five yeah. feet near him. We so. will get into that with John Garrett and um, uh, Anson Carter. Also uh, called out John Garrett for making a comment about the hatred towards Marshawn, which, of course, John denied and did not say it yeah, on he, record. He didn't say He it. didn't say, I hate uh, Brad Marchand. Probably hated the slew foot. But Anton brought up an interesting point where he's talking about the focus on Canadian teams and how it's over the top. Well, they get covered closely. Go go play, you know, people want to play for the Lakers. People want to play for the Cowboys. People want to play for the Yankees because they get covered closely by a lot of media. That's that's the way I don't think that's a turnoff. That's a, to me. Are we are we the biggest culprit on the Leafs well, <laughs> right here? Yeah. The three Is of us? Is there a reason I'm defending? <laughs> what do you mean? No, no, media's good. Yeah. yeah. All right, maybe we're the bad guys. You know, uh, following that, I want to get into a, a Jake DeBrusque 
conversation because uh, what we know is uh, the, the news out there that he recently requested a trade, and I can tell you that that's not quite true. Oh. That it's uh, just recently public oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that he requested okay. a trade. So that's been an ongoing dilemma mm-hmm. between DeBrusque and the Boston Bruins, and that looks like it's coming to a to an end fairly soon. So we'll have that discussion. Anthony Stewart, former NHL player and current analyst on Sportsnet, will be joining us in the back half of this hour. And then Alan May, my good buddy in Washington who works for uh, Washington NBC, covers the Capitals. We're going to figure out what's going on with Ovi and, and why is he such a playmaker now. And How about what's going on with Washington? My God, they can't lose. 14 and 3, 14, 3 and 5 this year in 22 games, first and in the Metro. Backstrom hasn't skated yet? No, no, he's he's getting close. Oh, he hasn't, but he hasn't dressed, sorry. That's right. He hasn't yeah. played all season. And I thought that was going to be an issue for Ovi. Now he turned into a disher. He became Backstrom. I don't he know. absorbed his ba- essence. Ba- Backstrom. <laughs> they filmed that commercial together and he was like, "All right, give me the give me the skill." If, yeah. if you're Backstrom, you're you're not coming back with a bit of a complex here. Yeah. Like, like you, you, you can ruin it. No, if you're Backstrom, you're opening up for one tease at the top of the circle. Just seeing if you can some sort of freaky Friday this thing. You don't want to be the guy to derail this awesome start for Ovi. No. I don't think I don't no, think, I think he'll be just fine doing that. Yeah. And then we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, COVID people are getting a little nervous here. Who's the latest coach? Uh, Cassidy. Bruce Cassidy of Boston. We're not going to the Olympics, are we? Oh gosh. I don't want to be Debbie Downer not, here. Uh, save that for the end of the show so we can sign off and <laughs> just not leave make that, everybody leave that truth bomb at yes. the door and then run away. Exactly. Eesh. Exactly. And then we'll pick our, what, our top six or eight teams that uh, if we were today to create a, a super premier we're, NHL we're league. We're kicking teams out of the league. We're we sick, are. We're sick of some oh, teams. Oh, no, no. We are some sick of some teams. <laughs> right? Bad news. People call it parody. Yeah. Well, no. We're getting rid of mediocrity. That's what we're getting <laughs> rid of. We're always so prepared on this show, but are we doing it be- just on the games now or the prestige of the franchise's kipper? It's got to be. Oh this, no, no! This, this is this is strictly on talent. Okay, but can the prestige of the franchise play into the factors that we choose? Yeah, I think it's it's got to pay a little. If, a, little if there's part. a tiebreaker, yeah. okay, right. like like St. Louis Blues, you know, great franchise. Out. Out. Yeah. Oh, I got a little tease there. Let's see. So, uh, still getting different looks in the Toronto Maple Leaf lineup, and the latest is who Joey. Ander, uh, Anderson. Yeah. Anderson. It was funny. It. it was funny because I, I, I think I called him Mad Amadio when it was Michael Amadio. And you're like, don't you worry like, about getting his name right. When I can't he's important even like, enough, you'll know it. Are they really putting new guys in right now? Don't touch anything. Yeah. Don't look. Joey Anderson. Let's hear what Sheldon Keefe has to say about Joey Anderson. Then we'll talk about him. Uh, Joey's a guy that works extremely hard. He's a versatile player. Uh, he's got good defensive instincts, great work ethic. You know, we think he can help on the penalty kill. We liked his camp. We'd like to start to the Marley season, and he's been up here a few times with us here now and has done well in our practices. You know, we haven't gotten him, to make him into a game yet, but just you know, think with Cash's absence in the lineup that getting another right winger in there uh, helps us, and with his skill set uh, that, that Joey has, I think it's a good fit. Right. And he's young, too. I mean, he's, he's 23 years old. It's not like, uh, you know, even... You're looking at a, an older veteran. This there might be some upside here. Yeah, there's quick. no rush to put him in, and yeah. he could find a way in the next uh, 12, 18 months to to eventually be a, a good player at age 23, 24. I think so. You know, the quick bio on him, right? He came across in the Andreas Janssen thing uh, trade. He was uh, he played 53 games for the Devils, uh, 13 points. Here's what I got: my AHL scouting report for you, Kipper. Here's what you need to know: uh, you won't love him if you're a fan, but you'll love him if you're a coach. That's that's the whole thing. You know exactly what that means, right? He works hard. He's in the right spots. He does the team things. He'll come away, uh, you know, from puck battles with it. Work hard. Yeah, every team needs some of those guys. Nice to have a young, hungry guy coming in. 
That's a pretty good scouting report. And he's going to play with uh, Kempf. So, you know, he's a guy who's going to play, you know, D-zone, PK, that sort of thing. They're not going to put him on, like, an offensive line. The fourth line now is Richie with Spezza and Simmons, which they probably won't start a shift in the D-zone. Did you like that scouting report, Sammy? I did. Don't you have a little more for me? I have a lot more words. Do we Let me really, have it. Do we yeah, want to go not? deep on the yeah, guy? Yeah, I do. Let me All have right, it. He's playing on the third line on the Toronto Maple Leafs tomorrow night. Let's All go. Right. Really solid fundamentals. Um, has the ability to... Um, has the ability to make plays, but a complete player uh, overall can look dazzling, but has chosen to sort of morph into a uh, player or sorry, a coach's kind of guy. Crafty, not going to run anyone over, but comes away from um, battles with the puck. Yada, yada, yada. All right. Okay. Yeah. I like that scouting report. Okay. Uh, enjoys fishing in the off season. He does. Um, yep. Likes to wear tank tops. Likes <laughs> fast cars and fast women. <laughs> Who among us does not? <laughs> so it seems from everything you've said there, yeah. It seems like a sort of, you know, a uh, Dollar Tree version of Andre Kasha. Guy that works hard, you know, come away from the, a puck battle with, a, with, a, with the puck, you know. I, I got to tell in. you, Dollar Tree Andre Kasha does not sound like a durable product. No, I agree. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, I think, you know, there's a conversation off of this here, but, you know, the Kasha thing has happened now, where how many games in a row is this now? Is this three games or two games in a row? He practiced before the team today. There's no indication if he's going to be play- He's not playing tomorrow. Who knows for this weekend, but. Might have to just. Got to dial it back a little bit. It's going to be tough to keep this guy healthy for the whole year. Well, especially if you've become pretty reliant on that third line for 12, 14 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. It's imperative that this line stays intact and they're healthy throughout uh, at least going into April. We're a ways away. I mean, it's hard to believe that we're still in November the way <laughs> – the way you feel about this hockey club from the start to where they are now, but it should, it should come into the equation here on overall the rest, what, three, four months now. How do you, how do you spread this roster out? I like the fact that uh, uh, Anderson can come in or Clifford can come in and come out of the lineup. And, you know, if we're talking about the defense, same thing, Mm -hmm. like outside of Riley TJ Brody and Muzzin, there seems to be a feel like anybody could have the night off. I think Sheldon did mention that uh, yeah. about uh, maybe a, a little bit of a revolving door, but not to the extent where guys are getting pissed off. No, the internal uh, competition is yeah, healthy. Exactly. I think you've bought yourself enough sort of you know leeway in the standings where you don't have to necessarily ice your best, best roster every night. You can give guys a blow here and there so that they don't have to, you know, run them into the ground. And maybe that's what they're doing with Kasha, just but, precautionary. But here's something that caught my eye when we're talking about, um, you know, guys in and out of the lineup and competition at the fringes. When Sheldon made that comment, you know, you alluded to that there, Kipper, he talks about the, the defenseman. He goes, right now, there is Hall, Dermott, and Lilligren, and even Sandine a little bit involved in the mix of guys who may have, have to come out from time to time. Interesting that Hall's in that group, is it not? I don't. Maybe it's obvious. I still don't see him back to where we thought he was middle of last season, especially that that Western trip. You didn't love him on that LA goal, hey? Well, yeah. Uh, uh, which one are you or talking sorry, about? Anaheim? No, Anaheim. Anaheim goal. Anaheim. Yeah. yeah, twelve minutes to go. I told you, like, you know, in that situation, you're up three goals. Just you, you want to protect it, you, and you want to bring it home. So we used to, in, in New York, we used to have a, a bonus system where they gave us cash for uh, our segments. And uh, so most points in five games, a goal, goals forward, goals against. And the other huge one was each guy $1,000 for a shutout. Ooh. So I'm telling you, it's mm. there's some nights it was five, six, nuts, <laughs> nothing, and you guys, you got guys blocking shots with their face, okay, and and, and they're like, they're, the other team's looking at us, going like, yeah, settle down, settle down, and we're like, <laughs> no, they're buddy. looking for bonuses on Gino. the other side, <laughs> Gino, yeah, U.S. money in an envelope, wow, I love okay? that, and it's like. No better motivator in life. Well, that was a cash. really good motivator. But the other one, obviously, as I said, has to be, you know, it's like a, a gift to Jack Yeah, Campbell. for what he's done for you. So 
Just to bring it full circle, yeah, I didn't like Hall in front of the net. Do you care that he has no points? He had 20 points in 55 games last year. He said zero points Yeah, year. doesn't bother me. Don't care. Don't, don't care, and I don't care if Austin Matthews ends up with 30 goals or 32 goals or not even close to the, the league leaders. You're out of your gourd with that. Okay. I'm just telling you, nonsense. I don't care. No, I don't care. I don't think he's going to end up with just 30 yeah. or 35. Yeah, you might care I if it starts to look like... I just don't care. You want him to D up. It just really has to be about being the biggest threat on the ice April on. You know what kills me is I bet if Austin Matthews is like my one goal this year is to win a Selkie, I bet he, he'd he be the best, you know, the best player, maybe not Connor McDavid, but I bet he'd be the best version of himself. So just going back to that group of defense, I think the more shocking name in there now is Sandine. And I understand that he's younger and he hasn't played a lot, but like... Can I read you the rest of the quote? Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, Sandine says that... Um, Specifically with Sandy and Lilligren, who are two younger guys who haven't played a lot of hockey at this level. And last season, they didn't play much hockey. Both guys have already played as much or more as they played last season. And they have had some history with injuries. We have to be smart with that, too. Okay. So that's the Sandine thing to me, is that I think they're like, yeah, he's young, yeah, he's but been hurt before. I think they're kind of a lot worse on the back end without him in the lineup. Like, I don't think oh, that's yeah. a guy that I'm looking to take out Listen, anytime there's, soon. There's nothing wrong with... Just reminding Sandine how young he is yeah. and, and how nothing's for sure. And nothing, there's no sure it. things in life. Don't get comfortable. If you take your foot off the pedal, we will take you out. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's fantastic. Yeah, you run that line between what's like an emotional manipulation and what's like motivating. Just straight motivation. And it's just the truth. It is the truth. Right? There's, you have you're to not, be good enough there's to, no mind so they games. don't call your bluff. But you there's know? no mind games on that. No. There's no, you know, it it it, it it's the it's the truth. It's a good we'll, point. We'll put, Look at the other guys. We'll we put Travis them. Dermott in. You know, he can come in, play 12, 14 minutes, and I don't feel like there's a big drop-off. As long as they stay healthy, there's there's a little bit of wiggle room there. You just, like any team now, you just don't want to be in a position where two or th- two guys, you lose two guys to injuries, and still that 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 adversity mm-hmm. hasn't happened. You, you, you think it's going to happen at some point. You just hope it might be minimal. You know, a week, 10 days, you just try to avoid the big one. Travis Dermott's an interesting one for me. Um, my buddy uh, Dom Lucision had an article in The Athletic today, you know, talking about puck movers and, uh, you know, the best 25 puck movers in the NHL by statistics. And it's like a lot of guys you know and they're like in the mix is Travis Dermott. And I understand he's he's had, you know, he's easy competition. He hasn't been used a ton, light minutes all that sort of stuff. But, like, I think there's still a pretty good player in there. I wonder if they still want to trade him, if that's still a realistic possibility, or if it's just like, you know, they're trying to get the most out of him they can. I don't know. They the, He feels like the interesting, the yeah. hinge guy on this D. Like, is he going to be a part of it or is he not? Well, I it really has to come down, and we'll get into this a little later because we got John Garrett coming, but it really has to do with ultimately your your total feel on on this group in general and whether it's good enough to go into the playoffs or not. But we'll get into that a little later. Joining me now, a a good friend over the years, um, and now he is in a huge media feud with Anson (laughs) Carter. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Just to give it some context here, uh, this, of course, is stemming from your, your call against the Bruins with Brad Marchand and his slew foot. And um, and ultimately, what Anson Carter said was a game analyst uh, mentioned that he had hatred uh, on, on Brad Marchand, and certainly we, we know that that's not true. John Garrett. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, Kipper, you've known me long enough. But hate, I, like, I don't like. I always say that. And I taught my kids. I taught my grandkids. Okay, you don't like something, but you really you don't hate it. Like hate is a hate is that ultimate word for me. So I I definitely didn't say hate. I don't like the way he plays. Sometimes we ran a full page board comparing Brad Marchand to Connor McDavid, Drysaitel, and Ovechkin, <laughs> most points and all this kind of stuff. And he was first star in the game. There was no doubt about that. But early in the game, he does like he does, what's that, his seventh suspension? He's, he's paid over a million, well, not over, but very close, $916,000 in fines in his career. 
And I said, and uh, the Boston show wasn't going to show the replay of the slew foot. So I buzzed down back to our producer in Toronto that Jeff jeered at. And Jeff, oh, yeah, yeah, we can, we can do that because uh, we had a couple of cameras on our own. So we, sh- we ran the replay. And it, it was easy to see, but it, it was a, I don't know why the referees didn't call it. And I think that's part of the three-game suspension when the uh, Department of Player Safety, did you notice that, Kipper, that they said uh, usually it's taken care of by the in-game officials? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so there was no penalty. And Marshawn goes on to really drive Boston to the win. And so he probably got an extra game just because uh, the officials didn't take him out of the game. But that, and uh, I don't know how you could see it. And I've known Anson, I was doing games when Anson was here, and uh, he somebody must have just whispered in his ear, oh, you should hear the Vancouver guys on Brad Marchand. So that's, you know, I'm fine. I, I don't care about that. But the fact that he, he would say that's why the players don't want to come and play in Canada, I, I, that's, what, that's what bothered me more than anything else. And I'm not a big Twitter guy, so I, but I did have to reply to Anson on, after he had made his yeah. comments. Did, did he call you at all? I, I, Anson's a good guy, I'm sure. It, it, at some point, there might have been some misunderstanding, if not an apology, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, and especially when Brad got suspended for three games the next day. Oh, man. But, uh, no, he hasn't reached out to talk to me, and I haven't reached out to talk to him. So, uh, John, what do you, in terms of Marshawn's game, like, do you think that little edge, and I know calling an edge is charitable, it's probably a little, uh, you know, a little cheaper than that, but do you think that it is a value add to his game or something that takes away from his game? Because I know a lot of players and coaches see that sort of, that style of play and go, God, I wish we had someone like that. But at the same time, you know, seven suspensions, yikes. Yeah, and Nazem Kadri is in that same kind of category to me. A really good player, but doesn't, uh, and Brad is, Brad Marchand is a little better than Nazem. Nazem doesn't pick his spots as well as Brad Marchand uh, this time of year. So he, he gets suspended for games. It's not like Kadri does in the playoffs. You get Mark Shifley last year in the playoffs. Uh, why did Winnipeg lose uh, four straight to the Oilers? Well, you know, they didn't have Mark Shifley and uh, you, Brad just, I like the way he plays because he's so talented, uh, sees the ice so well. For a little guy, protects the puck so well. He and Bergeron play so well together. But that edge, and, and you call it that edge, and we talked about it on the broadcast, how he plays right on the, on the line. And he had a couple more hits in that game that were uh, just borderline. He hit Ekman Larson again behind the net, but uh, almost a boarding call. He hit Tucker Pullman, almost a headshot. You know, it, it's that's the way he plays. And uh, he's one of those guys, and Kipper, I'm, you've played with a lot of guys that uh, great to play with, but lousy to play against. And oh. you'd love to have him on your team. Yeah, there's no question that uh, he is right there uh, amongst uh, the best players in history that could fall under that umbrella, for sure. Just to touch base a little bit more on, on Anson Carter's comment, which you know includes you, but includes all of us here in Canada. The Canadian media, the Canadian media yeah, yeah. So, grouped us all together. So, uh, we, yeah, really yeah. yeah, he painted a pretty uh, <laughs> wide brush there, didn't he? When <laughs> yeah. he when he said that uh, the, the, the Canadian media, the Canadian yeah, okay. media, always personal, and 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 we, we you know Canadian fans wonder why players don't want to play in Canada, and yes, I, I get his point that that we are. Uh, critical that we will cover it like we do on this show for two hours a day and maybe because the coverage isn't there in the U.S. that uh, players feel more comfortable because it's not like that but John personal I I, I don't get personal no no I I I don't get personal either and I agree with you that it's different in Canada because uh, we're more passionate about hockey and uh, playing in Columbus, Anson goes down to play in Columbus. And what's the main dog in, in Columbus? Well, Ohio State. Uh, college football is, is way ahead of hockey. 
and you go around and uh, every city has a major league baseball team, uh, a foot uh, NFL team. Uh, and in Canada, it's okay. The NHL and uh, everybody's so passionate. Everybody plays, everybody talks about it. And I, I agree. It's not, I don't think there's many media people that get personal. They criticize the way you play, but they don't get into the families and off ice and all that kind of stuff. At least not very often. So, John, other than this, how are things in Vancouver? <laughs> <laughs> it's pouring rain again today. Uh, I feel so sorry for the people at Abbotsford and the, the floods, uh, and it's pouring rain again today. Is it, uh, is, it, is it pouring on the general manager and the coach, or has that subsided a little bit? Because I, I, I get this sense, John, that if, if something was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think so too. And uh, I think that uh, the, it, it's really a dilemma for the Aquilinis. Do you wait till the end of the year or do you make a move now? And then if you don't put in uh, who you think is going to be your future general manager, for instance, you can't put in and uh, you can't fire the coach and put in a, a new uh, highly touted coach. You'd have to go with an interim coach. And if you got rid of the general manager and didn't hire who you think like a Jeff Gordon, like the Montreal Canadians did, if, if you didn't do that, then you'd have to hire an interim general manager because uh, you don't want uh, the draft and all that kind of stuff building for the future. I, I, you'd want right at the end of the season. If you're going to wait till the end of the season, if you're looking around and you, you've got somebody in mind, uh, then you could let them know or whatever. But you, if you did it now, it has to be the, the guy for the future. Or uh, And there's lots of speculation that Ryan Johnson, who is the uh, Abbotsford general manager right now in hockey uh, department, might get the job as an interim. Hmm. And then Brad Shaw would just be the interim coach. But I, I think it's to the point now where um, Travis has been here for a while, uh, Jim Benning's been here for a while, and uh, now it's success on the ice. And unfortunately for the Canucks, they just haven't been able to uh, get things together uh, they haven't been able to play as well as a team as I thought they might be able to. And now their deficiencies are, are showing more on a nightly basis. And they need Thatcher Demko almost every night. And look at the game last night. Uh, it's 2-1, and they can't get it out of their own zone. And then Thatcher has to make a dazzling save to save the win. So how much of this Canucks team is salvageable and I shouldn't even go with the roster necessarily like I want to know if the season is salvageable first and if it's not salvageable then what do you do who you know which players do you think are uh, are a conversation to be moved out (laughs) salvageable there's the word word. (laughs) can you make the playoffs they're nine points back let's have a okay yeah let's have a definition of salvageable okay uh, a playoff race yeah playoffs if you think what do you think? 93 points for the playoffs? Sounds right. Okay. How many more points will they need? They need 40 more wins, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That gets, that gets so, you to 96, yeah. Yeah, okay. Four, and how many games you got left? Uh, 60. 59, actually. Yeah, that's 59. So you'd, you'd have to win 40 out of 59. Uh, so the salvageable so, no. is that if you could say if they start to play better, and uh, Elias Patterson gets going, and Brock Besser gets going, and uh, Bo Horvat gets going in a little bit more offensively. Uh, salvageable if they end up with 80 points or 88, you know, 80 to 88 points. Is that salvageable? Or is that just, okay, we missed the playoffs again, and we have to make some major moves. What is going on with Patterson? He got the power play goal, 11 minutes, 12 minutes. 
uh, Travis Green cannot play him five on five all of a sudden. Like, how, how shocked are you that we we watched a guy the last few years that could almost remind us of a little bit of Pavel Datsuk, and now it's it's this. Yeah, I, you know what? Uh, he was rookie of the year, so I, I'm cutting him a little slack. But remember when Nylander held out and came back and he had that awful year? Mm-hmm. And everybody was uh, talking about, you know, and now he's he's pretty good. And Elias, okay, missed 30 games or whatever he missed last year, missed almost the second half, and then held out this year, comes camp. Travis has played him, and I know the ice time now is down, but he's played over 20 minutes nine times this year. And, and Travis has tried. And, Nick, you know what it's like now as a coach. What do you do? You sit down and you talk to him. But the only hammer that you have, uh, the management is paying him, what, $7 million, $7.6 or something. The only hammer you have is the ice time. That's the only motivational tool after you've used all your meetings and uh, your video and all those other things. The only way that you can get the player's attention is to ice time and who you're playing with, and that goes hand-in-hand with the ice time. So clearly there's no season to, you know, real playoff hopes to be salvaged. So is it cruel to keep trotting out Travis Green? I understand the, the concept of it's not as easy as finding a guy and what do you do after that, but, like, you know, it doesn't seem fair to the players or the coach or anyone if this is not part of the intended plan going forward. Is that fair? Uh, I I think I, that's a fair comment for sure. But then you're signifying to the players that it's more or less the coach's fault. Mm-hmm. And you're uh, yeah, you're excusing the way the players are playing. So it, it's kind of a catch twenty two. You know, oh, man. I, I find it almost impossible that a guy, a co-worker, can bring, you know, other people that he works with big buckets of KFC yes. if he's yes. if he's full of hate. Uh, I know. That's it. And all the times that you would say, hey, Cheech, pen me. And I always <laughs> had an extra pen for Kipper. And on... <laughs> On Sundays, you'd bring us KFC. It KFC, was so good. We're chalet for Scotty oh Morrison so he could drink the gravy. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll have extra gravy so Scott can drink it. Oh. Well, you you can always be personal on our show, John Garrett. <laughs> oh, thanks. All right. Thanks, Nick. Enjoy. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks, John. Talk to you later. All right, okay. John Garrett, color analyst for the Vancouver Canucks and a guy with a lot of love in his heart. Yeah, Anson knows great. that as well. Anson knows that as well. Um, following off the Brad Marchand uh, conversation, I wanted to spin this a little bit to Jake DeBrusque. Yeah. Because now, like I said, for the first time it's public, but this has been going on for quite a while. And it really stemmed, I think, from the last few years. Uh, it really looked to me like he was a guy that was going to get a long-term deal out of, uh, out of Boston. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen. He ended up signing a short uh, deal I think in the vicinity of 3.6 million, mm-hmm. which I will, check. will come to an end this season. And it's very seldom that you get news like this out of the Boston Bruins where someone's publicly coming out and, uh, and leaking the information that uh, a trade request, but I think it's just, it's run its course. Yeah. And there, there's, there's some interest there. And I just tweeted out earlier that I've heard already Calgary, Edmonton, Carolina, St. Louis, all would have interest. Possibly the Vancouver Canucks if they want to, you know, keep moving forward here. But here's a guy that's in his mid-20s who's got some some good mileage and has scored some big goals in the playoffs. He's, He's buried the Leafs, this guy. Yes, twenty-five-year-old guy who's you know scored twenty-seven goals in the league uh, three years ago. You're right, making three point six seven this year. Yeah, give you me know, his playoff numbers. Uh playoff numbers. They are good. You'll be not be surprised. He's got six goals, four goals, like four goals. He scores every year in the postseason. Yeah, sixteen playoff goals and sixty play in fifty-nine playoff games. Yeah, that's pretty good. That is. That's pretty good. And Sammy. Yes. The guy that was responsible 
for sucking in Kadri. Kadri. Yeah. When- so he's got that element. I would think he'd be a, a perfect guy. And if he wasn't a Boston Bruin, which I believe that Sweeney would not entertain trading him to Toronto, he would be the perfect guy, Sammy, for the Leafs to target. You're not wrong at all. Well, you know what? I don't don't know. They should be interested in Jake DeBrusque. I'm saying it right now. The Leafs and Kyle Dubas should be finding ways to get to get Jake DeBrusque in a Leaf uniform. I mean, they're divisional rivals. I mean, it's got to be impossible When's to get the last out of time there. the Leafs and Bruins made a trade? I don't uh, like. I'm trying to even think Kessel? of that one happening. Yeah, that's probably uh, it. Well, here's the thing. Here's what, why I don't know that he is. You know, Cassidy's talking about DeBrusque, and he's saying what we need is when he's not scoring for him to do the the little things, the hard work to win the puck back, to do all those things. Sound a little like anyone here? Like 88, uh, a little yeah. bit. He's yeah. saying, you know, when when what we notice with Jake is when he's on his game, when he's yeah. scoring, when the production is there, we get that. He's a when guy. Yeah, we get that. So he's saying when we don't get it, he says even a 20-goal scorer only scores once every four games. We need to get it the yeah. other three. Well, it's it's way past that. Oh, yeah, they're they're not buds anymore, hey? No, 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 it's, it's, <laughs> it's over. So it's just a matter of when. I, I imagine with the three-game suspension to Brad Marchand, he's – he was a healthy scratch on the weekend. So he's going to come back and play Tuesday for the Boston Bruins. But you don't you don't necessarily trade Jake DeBrusque now with the start of a three-game suspension to to Marchand. Oh, yeah, it'll see. leave you too it'll leave you you know too weak on on the left side. But I don't think that this I I don't see this going two or three weeks here. No, we're a week away from it happening. You know, and the other question is is I mean, how expensive is Jake DeBrusque going to be? If you're thinking you're getting question. a proven player and if if you're a general manager right now and you saw that uh, Kyle Dubas already spent a first and a fourth for Nick Foligno, what is Jake DeBrusque going to cost? Yeah, and you get a lot more runway in the season, <clears throat> a lot younger. You know, I guess if you're Boston, you're selling a guy who's was on pace for 30 goals one year. If you're buying him, you're saying, well, this guy's on pace for eight this year you know, over the last two years or whatever. So which which guy are we talking about? And you have to come to an agreement on which it is. By the way, all I can think of in this is, imagine if you're Taylor Hall and you're looking at the team you thought you signed with and then Krejci pieces, pieces out and then DeBrusque wants to go. And you're like, wasn't I here? Because I was going to get to play the Bruins, on the second line with good players. They missed the playoffs with Hall. It's just like, oh boy. It's again, it's he happening He may go again. down as the player of the worst luck in NHL history. Or bad decision making or blame it on his skill, whatever you want. But. No. I want hard trophies. The the only way the Leafs would end up with Jake DeBrusque is a three-way trade. Yep. Need some salary. I don't think Sweeney would have any interest. (laughs) Think think Boston wants Nick Ritchie? I'm kidding. And and (laughs) think about this for a second because I think the Boston Bruins are a real threat to miss the playoffs. You do, eh? Oh, yeah. What are we looking at here? Boston Bruins, fifth in division, 11-7 and through 18 games. They are going to be, do we not have the Atlantic locked in with Tampa, Toronto, and Florida? One, two, three, yep. So that means they're in a battle for a wild card spot with the Metropolitan. Does it not? No, I mean, just looking at this, yes. Yeah, they're still a very good team. Like, the underlying numbers still love them. Yeah, yeah, they're they're still good. So, yes, I think, but you know what? I don't think the Metro's great. I think they get in. They get in. They're going to have to, they're going to have to make a move now, though. I see. Make the early season. Yes, I don't think that they want to wait till or risk getting February. relegated to you from your Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're on the cusp. Before we get out of the Bruins conversation, we play this Marshawn clip from ah. today. Yes, absolutely. We've yeah. Come Can't on, we totally Sammy. forgot that. But well, so good. I just want to play. Yeah, it. let's hear it. I said that no one in like in Russia likes him. So if if that is now what is setting guys over the edge, then this is the softest league in the world. Um, and no one should be allowed to say anything because there's a lot worse things said out there than that. So if that's what he's crying about, then it is what it is. That, of course, is reference to Panarin. And the, the, verbal, and... the verbal exchange that they had on the benches and that led to throwing of uh, Panarin's glove. Mm. Now, what do you, uh, I'm telling you, the, the stuff that we've heard over the years and at junior, minors, NHL, 
It's just, it is bad now, as bad as ever, but like they got to be selective. You don't know when there's a mic out there. You don't know what's going to be, but he does have a point. I think he has a point. Now, Panarin went through a, a bad time last year yeah, uh, where th there was a threat to his family uh, that stemmed out of Russia. So I get the sensitivity of Panarin. I, there's no doubt. Yeah. No, I'm with, I'm, I understand both sides of this 100% clearly. Like, if that hurts your feelings, ah, uh, come on. However, there is that depth of, like, you know, he spoke out against Putin. There was real danger to his family. Like, there's a reason some people in Russia were particularly anti-Panarin. I can, uh, I, you just, know, I mean, it's, it, it obviously was a great chirp because it got to him. It got made him throw a glove at him. Well, like he got, that's what you're trying to do out there. You're trying to mission throw the accomplished. Other... I love exactly. that hockey. The meanest thing you can say is people don't like you. People don't like you. You're, you know what? In your home country. Oh, no, no, no. You're not overly popular. And then you, you, I'll never forget one of my first early experiences in pro hockey and a guy starts in on another guy's wife. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. My jaw just dropped. I'm like, you can't say that. <laughs> you can't. Oh, my you God. Can't. What did you say? <laughs> oh, the way she dressed, the oh, way she no. looked. Oh, no. Oh, my oh. gosh. I'm like, oh. what is happening here? <laughs> Another level stuff. My my all-time fave just listening to Mike Dub Sessions is that Brad Richards telling, like, Tom Sestito, like, this is fantasy camp for you. Oh, yeah. Like, look, I love it. Look around. I could, I could watch any five to ten minute long YouTube video of guys chirping each other on the bench. And then we have the least being like, oh, I love you, brother. <laughs> I love you, Johnny. Good job. Yeah. No hate. <laughs> no hate on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. So, Kipper, could you imagine, like, if you heard I was talking trash about you behind your back, like, bad guy would be devastating, would it not? Oh, that's the worst. If, if I was like, if Warren says Kipper's a bad guy. Just a bad guy is the worst thing someone could say about me. <laughs> I would be, honestly, just, you could say guy. anything else. It's just the opposite. What's the best thing you can say about somebody? He's a good guy. Oh, good guy. He's good. Oh, he's good. Ben Nicholson Smith, good guy. You could be a good guy before the show. So, yeah, thanks. Uh, the West End weapon, Ben but, Nicholson Smith. If there's a, a weakness somewhere, you can get under a guy's skin, throw him off a little bit. I'm all for it. Yeah, but I get the other side of it, too. Like, his, you know, the he thinks about his family, thinks about Putin. You know, he's speaking out against the guy that's got some bad, I don't know. You think, but like, you, well, think Marchand, you think Marchand really cares? No, well, and also he absolutely really, does not care. Hey, and I'm, also, I'm here to win. It's yeah. the type of thing Marchand can claim to not know about in depth and also be, like, surf, you know, kind of wearing. He, you know, he care. might not be, though. Not you, care. Not care is the answer? Not care. I would actually like to hear him asked, was that related to the true depth of this? Or? Maybe he's just a dumbo. He's like, no one likes you in your home country. Well, not even thinking you it. say, too, on the ice. You know, you got two seconds to say something. It's an uh, art, though. Like, honestly, to be able to go out there and say something sharp when you're sucking down wind and tired from playing hockey and being able to say something sharp is pretty... It's a skill. It is. It and truly is. it's just a... It's a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, the glove. Oh, he's throw. just mad. Yeah, he's just... Tired and mad. It, the little brother move. By, by the, the time ultimate it, little brother response. By the time it left his hand, I'm sure he said, eh, maybe not the best decision. The second it left his hand, he's like, oh, that was dumb. I look like an <laughs> idiot. All right. On that, we'll... Take it to break here. Anthony Stewart coming up, and we'll find out uh, if he ever threw a glove at anybody, if he ever bit anybody. Let's all, ask all those. All things. after the break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born. The code word for today's episode to text 59590 to qualify for your shot to win Leafs Blue Jackets tickets on December 7th is Line A. still like Boston, though, right? I do. You do, right? Eh? Well, I mean, I still think they're a good hockey team. They have an elite line. They have great defender. I think if they get Tuka Rask back, they are going to be a force. The other guy Boston's going hard on now is uh, Ben Chirot. Oh, is that so? Yeah. 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 Mon Montreal would find a way to submarine the Leafs, wouldn't they? That might, that'll be an interesting one, whether or not they hold on to Ben Chirot to the, uh, the trade deadline. And whether or not, uh, what's the advantage? I know everyone uh, can go from a second rounder to a first rounder. That's the advantage. It's a big advantage. It's a good point. Sherrod, <laughs> by that's, the way, has been playing power play time here. in Montreal. Yeah, well, that's why there's two of us bounced up off each other.
Anthony Stewart, we were talking uh, at the beginning of the sh- uh, earlier on in the show uh, on whether or not um, we're taking bets if uh, you've been bitten or if <laughs> bitten anybody. <laughs> no, I have not bitten anybody, but uh, I was the king of the uh, the junior hockey fish hook off the ice too. That was my move. I used to give guys a fish hook. I was a a big wrestling guy, so I loved doing that one too. But uh, the craziest thing I've been a part of, I think, is probably uh, Waffle Gate. I was there with the Atlanta Thrashers when the waffles came on the ice, and uh, I almost pulled uh, Hamburg there and took a bite out of one. That's how funny it was. Is that where the Leafs fans stole the idea? Because when were no. the waffles? Were the waffles first on on uh, at at uh, the old Air Canada Center, or was it uh, in Atlanta? No, it was Air Canada Center. So I think we were beating them five one, and then Kessel was oh, skating by. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Threw a waffle, threw a waffle off his head or something. Okay. I don't know. I, I, I thought maybe you were talking about something that happened in Atlanta. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, the the, uh, the discussion today around the Leafs has been, you know, Mrazek coming back, and you know the the excitement. Uh, around that, obviously, <laughs> did I oversell nice try. that? Did I oversell nice that? Try. Um, what, you know, what he's saying is, we ran out of things to talk we about. We did. We need to leave hockey game. What, what What are your thoughts on uh, Jack Campbell's playing time so much? You know, obviously, he's been playing a ton of games, playing really well. Uh, do you think once Mrazek is back, they should drop into a share situation, or how much of this should just remain Jack Campbell's net? Well, I think that was the number one concern with Campbell, you know, going into this season. Is he going to be able to play, you know, 40, 50, 60 games? And I think that was just from a durability standpoint, right? And that's sort of why they brought in Mrazek as insurance. But the one thing I think Campbell's done over the last, you know, little bit is proven that he can be the guy. He's not a 1A or a 1B. He is a number one goaltender. So I think, uh, you know, but again, it's the, the media here now and, Again, no shout-out to uh, Anson Carter there, where it's over-scrutinized the situation. And remember, the team made a three-year commitment to Morazic, and one injury, you can't be running the guy out of town. So I think you got to give him an opportunity to show what he can do. Um, and, you know, and if he comes in and does well, you know, that's great. You have a, a two-headed monster in net, and that's great for a long season too. But if not, you can have another guy uh, come in and step in and do the job. So I think for Morazic, it's a little bit premature now to say, hey, you know what? get him out of here. We're going to put uh, Joseph Wall in here because, again, <laughs> that was sort of the problem the last couple of years. There wasn't that depth. So if you have good depth, yeah, that's, a, that's a good problem to have, especially in the National Hockey League. Do you think there's a chance, if, if the game plan before the season was start to, to alternate or have a 1-1-A, do you think there's a chance that Mrazic can actually come back and, and, and create that environment? Yeah, it's injuries. There's injuries. It's, it's part of the game, and um, I, I think the one part that they didn't really calculate was now that, uh, you know, Campbell's price is going up because what Mraz is coming in at a 3.6 or a 3.8, well, that just set the market for Campbell. So mm-hmm. I don't think the Leafs are too happy about that. But uh, I, I think the plan was to have that 1A, 1B. And I don't think that was due to performance. I think it was, hey, this is Campbell's first time going into being a potential number one. Can he do it? And remember when he first came in last year, you know, I don't think he was playing back-to-back for his first four or five starts. So I think it was more so just uh, an insurance policy. Uh, but, again, just as insurance policies, they, they, they hate the most is that uh, when people are starting to cash in. So Jack Campbell's cashing in. And uh, what I don't want, and I think the next conversation is going to be, can you go Mrazek and Joseph Wall next year because Campbell's pricing himself out of Toronto. Campbell is the guy. You have to find a way to give him all his money because he's earning it and he's showing that he is the number one goaltender in the league. JB, do you think there's a chance that they, uh, could, no. they could try to squash his uh, demands by playing him less? I, I mean, I'd snap if I was Jack Campbell. Yeah. Particularly, though, if my numbers were as good as Campbell's, I'd be like, please never play me because I'm coming in with my 943 save percentage. That's what I'm bringing to you. No, they're checking the ticker for the uh, U.S. Olympic team to see if he's not, if he's announced or not. They're probably hoping he's not announced because if he does, well, the price just went up again. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Scary stuff. Um, y'all wanted to get your thoughts on on what where Wayne Simmons head would be at you know as a fourth line winger for this Toronto Maple Leafs team obviously buddy years and uh you know great player what do you think his expectations are for his role with this team it's got to be hard kind of you know being a 30 goal guy in the league to the role he's asked to play now do you think he's content playing a grindery role or do you think he's gonna continue to try to be the guy who scores as he has the last couple games well well, whether or not he's content, again, he's one of those guys that understands the assignment. And he comes in every night knowing exactly what he needs to do, and that's playing a hard-nosed style. And I think at this point in his career, you know, he, he understands that role. And, again, I've had conversations with him. He's a good friend of mine, too. And, 
you know, I try to prod some things out of him. Hey, how come you're not uh, on the second unit of the power play? And he's like, hey, it is what it is. And, again, he was talking to me as a friend where, you know, he he's one of those guys, and that's a guy that you win the Stanley Cup with because he does exactly what it takes. He'll, he'll drop the gloves. He'll make a big hit. We all know he can tip the puck. He's probably one of the best tippers in the National Hockey League next to Pavelski. So he does those little details, and it's infectious. And you want to know how popular it is? You see when they interview one of his teammates, their eyes blow up, or when he scores a goal, they're excited because he's that much of a heart and soul guy. And, he, you know, I always say if they won a cup in Philly, he'd have a statue next to uh, Bobby Clark. That's how popular of a teammate he is. So it's no, you know, there's no secret to success. He works hard. He comes to the rink every day, works extremely hard, and it's good to see him finally being rewarded. Oh, I think they've done an excellent job. And I think if you look over the last few years and that, that role and that transition of what third and fourth line liners looked like a while ago and what they look today, the big thing for me is when third and fourth liners think that they're first and second liners in waiting. And I think now that they've adapted that role, uh, Simmons and Spezza have gone to another level in terms of, you know, Playing like you want to be that guy to continue the momentum or have a good forecheck and not necessarily work about worry about your numbers. And Spezza made a reference to that last week that don't judge us now on numbers. And really, that's all they've been judged on since they've probably first put on skates at seven years of age is the numbers. That's a that's a hard pill to swallow for these guys, but it seems like they've embraced it the last few weeks. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the reason why I'm talking hockey and not still playing because I'd be in coach's office and they'd be like, if you think you're a points guy, you're going to be out of the league. And I'd be like, put me on the second line. Let me show you what I can do. And then sure enough, I'm sitting here talking hockey instead of playing it. So I think that's part of uh, of being a pro. And we all know they can run numbers, but I think the one most impressive part about this, this team too is why they're having success is the bottom six forwards they're rarely in their zone. How many times over the years where the bottom six were just stuck on defense and just mm-hmm. in there for 30, 40 seconds, or they're in the ozone just chipping and chasing. So I think what it does now, it gives the top six a bit of a break, a bit of a blow to go out there and actually work on what they need to work on because they're doing their assignment plus more. So I think right now it's just the perfect complement of guys. Everybody comes in. Remember, there's no one here trying to play for the big, big contract, knock it out of the park. Most of the guys have their money, or most of those guys are older and they've made their money. It's a perfect mix of guys. And I think that was the issue with the defense before. It's like, well, we need to run numbers. We need to be on the first unit or the second unit. Perfect blend of veteran guys and young guys that are established uh, with their paychecks. I think that's why they're having success, because they're just focusing on the ultimate goal, and that's winning hockey games. Stu, we'll leave the, the Maple Leafs here to get your take on a couple of opinions around the league. I, I wanted to get your thoughts. What would you make of uh, Kachuk talking about Lemieux in the press and, and Marshawn running his mouth on Panarin in the press too? <laughs> well, I think if they interviewed him 24 hours later, uh, Kachuk, I think you'd have a better uh, a better soundbite or a more <laughs> refrain. Couldn't but, have had a better you know, one. If I'm doing an interview and I'm literally looking down at my uh, paw and I got a bite mark out of it, I'm calling the guy gutless. <laughs> I'm calling him a rat. I'm calling him everything under the sun. So yeah. it's, it's tough. When you get a, a bite taken out of you, I just can imagine the emotions going through your through your, through your head right now. But uh, I love the Guilford Godfrey clip, clip too. I think that was good. And... <laughs> Uh, what was the other one there? The throwing the glove? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marshawn yeah, said that. That if you yeah, go ahead, it's 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 good. I, I I like that stuff. I think it's good for the game. It gets us talking about it. As long as it's not a helmet, or you're not javelin your stick or something like that. Too, you're getting a glove thrown at you. I think it's good for the game. It's promoting the game. Um, that's old time hockey. Back then, at least you know guys weren't trying to kill you. So I'm just happy guys aren't dying out there. We had we had uh, John Garrett on earlier, and Anson Carter uh, made a reference to it's personal up here for the players and led everyone to believe that's why a lot of guys don't want to play uh you've been in the media now for, for the last few years uh what are your feelings about how how personal it gets up here well you know rule number one is i don't think you take shots at john garrett he's uh he's canadian royalty within the media here, so I don't know if anson, is anson trying not trying to be a person non-blonde sean uh, in canada here that's the wrong guy to go after but Again, I understand that, and, and and I don't get Berkey always talks about it. No one, everybody has Canada's teams on their no trade list. But you know, I, I always tell everybody if I played for a Canadian team, just the hype of coming to the arena every day and dealing with the media, I'd love to do that. I was sort of in the the abyss of the Floridas and the Carolinas, where there wasn't really an excitement about hockey, and I think that was it, it sort of was in my game. So I, I loved playing in Canada, coming up and doing up the media and the tickets and all that too. So I think uh, I think that's more of a myth. 
then a rule that the Canadian players don't like playing in Canada. Yeah, there's some better places to play with regards to weather, but when it comes to focusing on your career and playing the game and the excitement for the game, there's no better place uh, in Canada, that's for sure. I saw that you were named an ambassador for Chevy's Good Deeds Cup. What uh, what does that role entail? Congratulations. Did you, did you get a truck out of the deal? Oh, yeah. Do I you? don't know. Let's go. I, <laughs> I don't even need the Silverado. Give me the, uh, the Trailblazer or... Give me the Traverse. Give me something here. I, I'll do all the good deeds for a new car. I'm sitting around cruising around in a Nissan here. What's going on here? Uh, but, no, it's a, it's a great cause. We get to go around and, and recognize the deeds that, you know, minor hockey teams are doing throughout Canada. And uh, right now they're shifting on uh, making uh, the game more inclusive. So they're going out of their way to try to make the game more inclusive. So it's very, very exciting. It's a great initiative. And, again, uh, JB, you know, I've been doing the minor hockey and, and foundation stuff for a bunch of years now. So anything I can do to promote the game, I have all the time in the day for it. So, again, I'm on the ice in a couple hours working on uh, a charity skate. We do a skate called Pro Action with the uh, Toronto Police uh, every week. It's a free skate in Scarborough. So uh, I always appreciate you guys asking about it. It's about throwing the game, and uh, I'm excited to do it every single day that uh, I'm not on the air or, or doing TV. Before we let you go, just your thoughts on the Leafs coming off this road trip and facing Colorado, and where do you have it in terms of the importance, the measuring stick, where do you see this game? Well, I saw JB putting up a couple banners uh, on Front Street there, so I don't know if that was the parade route or he's putting up a couple Christmas wreaths. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. But um, at, at the end of the day, I know that the ultimate uh, success uh, measuring stick is going to be the playoffs. But, again, you can't deny the season that they're having. To go in uh, the Western Coast uh, road trip there and come out with six points pretty easily, that's the hardest trip to go on the West Coast dealing with, uh, you know, seeing friends and family and you maybe have a rookie party here and there. So they're showing that they're taking this season really, really seriously. So I know uh, the Colorado is going to be a better test, but you've got to give the Leafs their flowers because they're playing some great, great hockey. And it's not just one, two, three guys. They're playing as a unit, good goaltending, good defense, good specialty teams. And that's the making of a special team. So if it's a special team this year, you just got to keep it up. Anthony, appreciate your time, man. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Go Leafs, go. Thanks, buddy. No Christmas parties, by the way. Wasn't that part of the memo we saw? No teams allowed to have Christmas parties due to COVID restrictions this year? Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I think Frank Saravelli put out a, yeah. a, a tweet uh, with the actual memo, which I'm sure thrilled Gary Bettman. Beth, Bevan loves that. Oh, he'd be wild. <laughs> Absolutely wild. Yeah. On On seeing... League memos. Would he be Jack Nicholson in The Departed trying to sniff out the rat? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's great. I enjoy that. That happened in the NBA uh, a couple years ago with uh, with Wodge. Oh, really? Yeah. Somebody gave him some, I forget what team it was or if it was the league, but somebody gave him some bunk information. And then he, just to see where it went and through, it, and it, it, they figured it out, and they figured out the rat, and the guy got fired. Forget, I, I should look up the story to know the, all the details. But yeah, they use Wodge because of that. So there you go. It does happen. When I wrote my book, I talked about the whole insider thing and mm. how you never forget that wherever the information's coming from, to a certain extent, they're putting their. What is their motivation? Well, not what their motivation is, but they're you're you're you're, you're putting them on the line here. That uh, you know, it, that's why guys don't get burned. Well, that. that if it leaks out, if it gets out where the information's coming from, i.e., uh, a, a trade, teams don't like that. The league doesn't like it. They want to go by their own release. They want to go by their own schedule. But when you when you have information or you get it out there, you, there's always it, it it always stemmed from somewhere, from mm-hmm. someone, and. You got to think that they've got a wife, kids, family, you know, husband, whatever, and their job's on the line. If that stuff gets out and there's a there's a manager or an owner that finds out that someone's leaking information, their jobs are on the line. They could be people have been fired for that sort of stuff. So that's never been lost on me throughout the years that I've done it. That have you, you had it blow up in your face or in someone's face? Never, or, no, never. Where. Um, it got back that where my uh, I, I've, I'm, I'm taking so many to the grave on, yeah. on some really, really big stuff over the years, <laughs> you know. So it's just the way it is. It, it always blows my mind, you know, just how exciting that must be, you know. Like, I, you know, for example, Jeff Passan in the MLB right now with, like, there's all this crazy stuff happening in the MLB. All these guys are signing. And he's just like, 
firing off every signing. Sources tell ESPN this, that, this. I, I got to imagine that's just the greatest feeling in the world. No breaking stuff. Kipper, feel great. Well, it's, it helped me in my career. There's sure. no question that, uh, and, and Sportsnet was going through a time when no one ever took us seriously, and it was all mm. just TSN, TSN. They own the market. They own the share. Uh, who are you guys? And by by able being in a position to break a few things here and there, it got it got us attention. It got. Yeah. I didn't necessarily want to be an insider. I mean, you know, it's tough. Yeah, I, I feel for Elliot. And there's some days when I've sat beside Elliot and you listen to somebody chew him out for for leaking stuff, yeah. and I'm like. Elliot, tell him you're going to knock his teeth out if, you're, if he calls you one more time. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Elliot, he's the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. But sometimes you got to you just deal with it. I had an interesting look at this when I went from the media to the Marlies. Because we had, you know, obviously a lot of big names. It was Nylander, Hyman, Kappen, and Connor Brown, and, you know, on and on. And so seeing which media members and insiders, you know, contacted me to be like, hey, uh, anything on this? You heard anything? You seen anything? Get my, you know, and obviously I was petrified of anything getting out, so I didn't say anything. But I, you know, our boy Fridge put in some calls. He wanted to, you know, which I respect. Sniffing around. Yeah. Yeah. But to Sam's point, like, there's a thirst for that sort of stuff. They, you know, you love it. You want to be in on it first. Yeah. You want to yeah. lead the conversation. For sure. So, Kipper, did you, you broke, <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, I got a little speck of dust there. That's okay. Were, were you Subban? Did you get the Subban one or the Hall one? Yeah, Which no, one I, got, I got the PK Subban. Yeah, uh, I remember for, that. For Shea Weber, and that's the one where everybody thought I was hacked or something. You know, it's a hilarious... believe it. I actually have a hilarious story. That was uh, our boy J.D. Bunkus's first ever show that he was doing on, the, on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I was producing the show, and that night... That trade broke, and that was the same night that Hall for Larson broke. It was the same night. And, and I, th- I want to say Stamkos signed or it something. It was all within 17 minutes or yeah. 18 minutes and where there were all three of them We came had down. you on the show. I texted you to come yeah. on the show, and I can only imagine, oh, God, we got to go find those tapes of Bunkus. <laughs> imagine what he was sounding like that yeah. night. But it was crazy. So I remember that night very well because you broke that. I'll tell you my best one ever. Let me have it. Shea Weber's career in jeopardy. Oh <laughs> that, was, that was like 20-month... 20-month scoop. Yeah. You were right. You were right. <laughs> He's just an animal. About anyone, eventually you're right. <laughs> oh, my God. Did I take heat for that one? Yeah. And then it took 20-plus months, but. Wow. That if was Shea Weber walk, wasn't eh? such an animal, no, no. you would have been right. Uh, uh, um, uh, like a, a mountain man. Yeah. That's what he is. He's not human the way he played the last year and a half. Cup run and all. Playing 30 minutes a night yeah. in the playoffs in the uh. NHL. It's insane. All the credit in the world. Yeah. I also even, give credit though, to Even though he, he at the time made, didn't make me look exactly great either. <laughs> <laughs> but there's been, like, I mean, you think of some of them that have gone wrong, like the, the scoops where people think they got it. Well, I get information way. sometimes, and I'm like, unless someone else verifies it, like, you just can't. Yeah. It's gotta be, you just got to be a risk taker. I guess you got to be a big gambler. No. I think it's the opposite. So, you got to be more thorough. Even on one signing day, uh, I talked to somebody that is a really good source mm-hmm. and never been wrong. And he says, he just sends me a, a tweet that says, um, suitor to Detroit. Yeah. So I didn't, I, I, usually I like to get a secondary confirmation. Sure, but it was so, one of your guys. He- so I kind of just threw it out there as a possibility. And, uh, and then he signs in Minnesota. So I call him back and I'm saying, Detroit, uh, suitor to Detroit. He goes, yeah, I was asking you. I was asking oh you. My I mean, like, he forgot. What, where, where's the question mark? Punctuation, where, where, where's punctuation. I saw no question mark. He says, no, I didn't put a question mark. I said, no, no question mark. <laughs> what a about, Seinfeld episode. How about episode. suitor there to... There was no question mark. How about suitor to... Did you trade question mark? <laughs> oh, sorry. I forgot the question mark. I'm like... Yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, the only, like, I actually was working at Scotiabank Arena one night, and just the the Leafs were playing the Flames, which is a stupid night. And I saw Dion Phaneuf walking around the the you know Scotiabank Arena, yeah. and I went over to my coworker at the time, Nick Alberga. I was like, "Hey, Nick, 
uh, I just saw Phaneuf and, uh, you know, Shani walking around. And this was right after Phaneuf had still been kind of playing. Like, he wasn't as far to the league as he was now or whatever. And Alberga tweets it. He tweets, he's like, according to Sam McKee, we got, you know, he's he's cruising around. The Leafs are looking oh, for defensemen. He dropped his and the name. the tweet exploded. Dagger. Like, yeah. he exploded. People were saying, who is this Sam McKee guy? What is he talking about? He, and it's all because I just told him. I didn't tell him to tweet it. Yeah. But he, he, didn't, he should ask for permission to that, use your name. Yeah, he didn't. He, he went, away, went with it. And guess what? That was my first scoop yeah. ever, and it didn't come any. I wasn't, hey. Yeah. My source was my eyes. I saw him walking around. I didn't report anything. So you there know, you go. You call it a scoop. I would call it a rat. <laughs> <laughs> Sam McKee ratted out Phaneuf and Shanahan. Yeah. But then uh, but then people started looking into it, and it was just that he was there kind of learning the, the, the go around of how to be in, you know, the front office of a I do of a feel team. like Phaneuf's going to be around eventually. They I clearly do too. have a relationship. Yeah, I do too. I think he's already offered him work, but he's not ready for it. Okay. I think he's a pretty impressive guy, you know? Just big guy, knows the game, kind of, you know, just one of those yeah, guys that'll be around it forever. It, it gets harder and harder for these guys because it's work. Yeah. Like, it's work. Do they want something to kind of add to their whole portfolio? Or that's they why Kevin come BX in is such an anomaly. Really not many people want to do that. That's work. It's... Like, How many guys that have made BX, big money? Uh, what's he made? Forty million bucks. Well, that's the thing is, most guys like, who've made forty million bucks are like, "How every much do you, think, hey, you want to give up your weekends? <laughs> yeah. What are you nuts yeah. with forty million? Yeah. How much do you think Benuff made? I don't know. Between him and his Says wife, sixty. I don't know. Between, Eighty-five mil. Hey, oh. hey, between him and his wife, maybe worth two hundred million. Yeah, I don't think he needs to. Okay. Yeah. Well, at some wanna, point, though, what do you do? You, know, you can't just sit at home nah, and PEI true. for he the rest of your to, life. He wants to sit in cold MasterCard Arena or whatever you call the performance center I'm gonna practice. I'm going to say yes, Kipper. I'm going to say yes. When he could be in California? Uh, I say no. Okay. I say no. <laughs> okay, well, I'm saying he wants the competition. It's not warm in the Staples Center, Crypto.com Arena, whatever it's going to be. I think it's, yeah, it's nice if you want to kind of... Stay in the limelight a little bit. Have your name out well, there. And if but you're competitive, you're competitive. You want to be involved in the wins and losses. You give me BX's 40 large and bye. And it's the <laughs> it's the real Sammy and Bourne <laughs> show next week. Be a good show. That'd be a great show. Nah. Sam's a star right oh, now. And what am I, Derek? What am I? Derek's like, I'm the me. dinosaur. There you go. Dinosaur's back after the break. Alan May. Capitals uh, analyst is going to give us uh, the scoop on how good this team in is. When, and when the heck did Ovechkin become a playmaker? That and more after the break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.